I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. In the spirit of camp, I'm going to try to do this in five minutes. So we'll see, see how this goes. Make my point and sit down. Um, I'm going to talk about the gospel. And uh, when you read the gospel, and if you take it literally, it's kind of instructions for a cult. Um, leave your family behind, hate them, and give up all your possessions. And uh, the problem with the cult is that the, the, the next stage is that the cult leader says, and give it all to me. So it's not that the advice is wrong, per se. It's just that it gets twisted in a cult context so that the cult leader doesn't have to practice what they preach. They get all the benefits of the things that they are asking their followers to give up. Now, that's part of our scripture. It is true. It is good. It is a hard teaching because which one of us wants to hate our family and give up all our possessions? And here I need to say a little bit about Agadah and Halakha. My, uh, my wonderful New Testament professor um, taught me those uh, Hebrew words, and they are two types of Jewish teaching, and Jesus was all about the Agadah and not about the Halakha. And the Halakha is... Um, is legalistic teaching. Do this or else this will happen. Um, it, it is meant to be interpreted literally. It's the kind of thing we get in our society as statutes and laws. When the law says thou shalt not you know, steal, it means don't steal. It's black and white, totally literal. We get it. Agadah is spiritual teaching which is built on metaphor and on exaggeration and on parable and all these kinds of things that are meant to slap you upside the head and catapult you into a new way of uh, thinking about life and the meaning of everything. And so Jesus was all about that second kind of teaching. And so when he says, hate your mother and your sisters and all the rest of it, um, he doesn't mean black and white, literal, do this or else you are bad. He's trying to smack you and say, and, and, and by the very um, sort of intensity and extremity of that claim to make you say, what on earth is he going on about? What point is he trying to make? And so for me, in my interpretation of that, uh, that little teaching, is that it's kind of a, about the, the same problem that the Buddhists talk about as attachment. That when we understand the gospel as the, the amendment of life, the conversion of your life, uh, from living for yourself to living for God and others. This is the Christian claim. We don't live for ourselves. We live for God and we live for each other. And this is salvation. When we live for God and each other, everything is better. We get peace. We get harmony. We get prosperity. We get all the works of it. But the, um, but the paradox is that you only get it when you're prepared to give it up. So when you're living for yourself and you're living for the best that you can do for your own individual well-being, you will create disorder and wickedness and war and violence and abuse. When you are living to serve the other, then it creates this um, virtuous cycle where there is more for everyone. When we care for each other, when we reach out to those in need, when we put others' needs before ourselves, there's... Um, there's a, uh, the sum is greater than the, the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And so we get the kingdom of God. But in order to get from here to there, you have to let go of the things that are keeping you here. The things that are keeping you living for yourself that lead to disorder and wickedness. And those things are things like familial attachments and possessions. Now, when we, when we say familial attachments, I have to do a little bit of interpretation because this was a culture where family was everything. 
kin and clan were the building blocks of society. If you were outside of a clan, you were homeless. You were stateless as the modern analog. And so your, your membership in your family clan was fundamental to your well-being. And for, for, um, um, for Jesus to say that, it was a much harder ask than in modern individualistic Western society where people are estranged from their families all the time. Um, I mean, certainly in the last two years, we've had an epidemic of family estrangement over ideology and politics. Um, and so for me to interpret that teaching into today's context, I would say whoever does not hate fellow members of their own ideology and political stripe is not worthy of following me. So if you want to hear it the way they heard it, that's the teaching. If you love your political identity more than Jesus, more than giving up yourself for the sake of the other, then you still haven't heard the gospel. You haven't counted the cost of discipleship. So the cost of discipleship is to let go of the attachments. The blessings will be there if you let go of your attachment to them. That when you are more attached to God and the neighbor, then your family can be a blessing to you. But it's not something that you are clinging on to and making the purpose of your life. Your politics can be an expression of the gospel, but they are not the self-defining thing that you've attached your ego to so that you become offended when, um, when impugned and so on. So the, um, so the teaching of the gospel is true and good and right, when understood in the right way, as Agadah, not Halakha. So Jesus is slapping us upside the head. And now I finish with Jeremiah. Because in this time where we, I feel, I don't know you, but probably, I feel like the, a couple of things that are very precious to me are under threat. Um, I feel like my church is under threat. I feel like Western civilization is under threat. Um, and Jeremiah is speaking to a nation under threat. And, and this is chapter 18. He's already been going on about how they're getting it wrong and how doom is coming. And here he talks about the potter and the clay and says, it is never too late to turn things around. That if we discover that transition into righteousness, it is never too late to turn around the fortunes of the things that God is trying to do with humanity, whether that is our civilization, our church, our family, our community. So the news is good that whatever the threats may be, however, whatever doom we may see lurking and looming on the horizon, Jeremiah's point is God loves us. God will turn things around if we turn ourselves around. And so the question is, are we prepared to bear the cost of discipleship to truly live for each other and for God and for the suffering and the, the marginalized in our society? If we are truly willing to do that, then things can, in fact, turn around. And I don't have enough time to talk about Peter Turchin, but I'm just going to put a little asterisk there about um, part of the problem. Um, but in the, in, in the end, it's good news. God is the potter. We are the clay. We can be remade today if only we turn our faces toward him. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. How's the Worthers? Still going? <laughs> Some of you